0: series called Wow, just a little bit of logistics. Hopefully, if you're in a six, one of the six physical locations, you received something like this because we are going to observe the Lord's Supper later on in our services. And if you're at home, you can find something equivalent and our online pastor will certainly give you some ideas and thoughts on how to do that. Also, just wanna remind everybody that we make our pastors and elders and various staff available in all six of our physical communities on Mondays. We call that Monday Meetup. That's just a time. If you have a question, you want to say hello, you need prayer, you want to have a conversation out as you're going about maybe your day or before you kick off your day, these are all the locations. They're also on our website, but again, love to see you, love to meet with you there. So that's Monday meetups. So today we're going to talk about something that I really, I always hesitate to speak for all of us. But I do think it's like this universal human condition. You don't even have to be a Christian or you're kicking the tires of Christianity. You've been in church, not been in church. doesn't really matter. All of us would say something to the effect of, hey, I would like to be, I would like to be, if we correct that slide, that'd be great. I'd like to be blessable. I'd like to be usable. I would like to be in a position where God could bless me. I would be like to be in a position where God could use me. Now, again, you, you may not like be uh, you know, walking with God, or you might be here, and I'm like, man, I, I don't even know what that that kind of means. But you would say this: Hey, I, I want to be happy, and I want to have a purpose in life. That may be how you say it. So, some of us, it may come out in the form of a question, like. Hey, Where do I start to get my life on track? Or, or how do I start over? Some of you might ask it, you know, what is God's will? Because the, the assumption that is, in God's will is, is where I can be blessed. In God's will is where I can be used. Or in God's will is where I can f- feel purposeful. Some of you might, may just express it this way. Hey, I, I just want to know what's next and what's best for me. And I think all of these... Are human questions that everybody asks people from all walks of life, as we like to say at, at Rockbridge Community Church, and and so we're going to try through God's Word to find a wow for that. Now, now, here's here's what I know. Okay, a lot of you are probably thinking I'm going to say sort of the Christian cliches of, uh, and I'm going to go and tell you what I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say for all of these things and to be blessable and usable. I'm not going to say, man, you need to get in church. Uh, I'm not going to say you need to pray more. I'm not going to say you need to stop or you need to start. What we're going to find out is that to move into a posture of being blessable, being usable, to, to know where to start, how to start over, what God's will is, what's next and what's best, is more of a posture. It's more of a position of our heart and our mind. It's, just, it's more of where we are in, in, a, in a position. I, I've learned this. I, I helped coach a middle school football team and I've learned one thing that I absolutely have to do okay I I can't make tackles and do that anymore but if I can help kids get in the right position they're that much closer to success and having a good experience that's where they're blessable and usable and 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 there's a position that God wants us to be in And, and and yeah and it's not the cliche oh be in church oh be in prayer there's a position that God wants you and I in and, and so I, I, and let, me, let me even press down a little deeper. If you don't know where next to go in your marriage, this is the position you need to be in. If you don't need to know where next to go in your walk with God or you're confused or you're, this is going to be the wow position that you need to be in. If you're sitting here and and you're like, right now, you feel like you're on fire spiritually or you're ready for something new or you're ready for something fresh, this is the position you need to be in. And so we're going to dive into God's Word. We're going to be in Jeremiah 5 for a little bit. Then we're going to pivot to another major prophet, they call them, in the Old Testament. His name is Isaiah. We'll pivot to Isaiah chapter eight. so here's what's going on in Jeremiah five. there's pending judgment. God is about to um, unleash judgment on his people, the nation of Israel. And so Jeremiah begins with, by announcing this, but in the announcement he's also calling them to repentance. And, and if you have time, you can read the first half or, or the, of Jeremiah five, but They talk about all these sins that the people are committing, the behaviors, they're overlooking the poor, the rich or greedy, kind of the typical stuff, right? And But at the end, God, through the prophet, just sort of goes to the, the root of the problem, if you will. He's like, hey, this is all the weeds that have grown up in the nation, and God's not happy with the state of, of, of his garden, so to speak. But, but the root of it is this, and, and he starts with a description of it. He says, an appalling, horrible thing has taken place in the land. An appalling, horrible, something bad has gone wrong. We, the people of God... And I'm sort of paraphrasing the inspired prophet. We, the people of God, are way out of position. We are in a position God cannot use us. We are in a position God cannot bless us. And so the prophet is going to aptly describe that position. The prophets prophesy falsely. So it would be like saying, hey, the preachers don't preach what is true. And the priests rule by their own, and here's our word, authority. They rule, they, they, they issue judgments, they make statements by their own authority. And then God goes a step further and he says, and all the people love it like this. And it's this word that as I was studying this that grabbed my attention, this word authority and this is the wow for me, that being blessable, being usable by God starts with being under God's authority. So you can be in church and not be under God's authority. You can believe in God and not be under god's authority you can pray you can read the bible even and still not be under god's authority and that's what i mean it's a position it's a posture it's an attitude it's a mindset now now here's kind of here's kind of the weird thing about it most of us are comfortable with the idea of authority we're comfortable with the idea of authority right because you, you, you know someone breaks into your house you call an authority to come to your house hey, I am going to call the authorities we even say that right we, we we understand like if we play sports we know there has to be some rules and there has to be some people to enforce the rules yet we've all yelled at the referee right so it's kind of love hate relationship with authority so we're comfortable with the idea of authority especially if it's like your life right you you want to have some authority over your life but what What we're uncomfortable with is unlimited authority. And and actually, that's like there's some wisdom in that. Our entire U.S. Constitution is written out of the fear of any one branch of the three branches of government having excessive authority or excessive power. So there's all these checks and balances. We structure churches in the New Testament model where the leadership of our church is not contingent upon one individual. It's a plurality of leadership through our staff and through our elders and, 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 and our members, right? So we're uncomfortable with unlimited authority and so this love-hate relationship shows up like if someone's robbing your house you are thankful when the police shows up yet that same policeman can pull you over for a speeding ticket and you are no longer thankful for that policeman right you start questioning his authority because you had a reason to go that fast right so therefore what do we do We do it horizontally in our vertical or in our horizontal relationships. We want to put limits on authority, but that often translates and we want to put limits on God's authority. And that's where the tension comes. Because by definition, if there is a God, and there is, then he gets to be God, right? But we battle there. And and what's interesting is the prophet Jeremiah strongly implies one of the limits that we put on God's authority. Remember that little phrase I read a few moments ago? And my people love it like this. They love it that their rulers and their priests just sort of tell them what they want to hear. They don't tell them truth. They tell them what they want to hear. Their priests rule by their own authority and everybody stays comfortable so one of the limits that we put on authority is our lifestyle. You know what I mean, right? If God asked you to change your lifestyle, and you and, and most of us have some kind of idolatrous relationship with our lifestyle, and, and so if God asks you to change your lifestyle. Suddenly, you know, we don't like God's authority. Or or some of you are probably not yet Christians or some of you uh, maybe are, are Christians who haven't taken the next step and the reason you haven't taken the next step is not because you're not in church. It's not because you don't believe in God. It's not because you don't own a Bible or a Bible app and haven't read the Bible. It's because if you take the next step, the lifestyle you love will be infringed upon if you give God that much authority. Look at the debates that go on in the the national conversation, whether it's about human sexuality and marriage or abortion or anything. And it all comes down to, I want to do what I want to do. And it's lifestyle. But I'm suggesting the Word of God is strongly suggesting that happens inside the people of God as well. And, And the ironic thing about it is, Because we're designed by God to be under authority. It starts with our biology. I cannot choose to be a fish, I cannot choose to fly, I cannot choose to be a woman. I'm under the authority of my Creator. One of the limits is our lifestyle. And the funny thing about it is, because you and I are going to be under authority, the limit we establish becomes a new authority in my life. My lifestyle can become the authority. And and that's the crux of the matter, that one of the most strategic decisions is who or what authority are you under presently, and who or what is the best authority for you and I to be under Currently and in the future and certainly eternally. And and it's almost like Jeremiah wants to force that question because he says this. Okay, you love it that your lifestyle is your authority. You love it that the priests don't tell you the truth. And you love it that they rule by their own authority. And then Jeremiah or God through Jeremiah says, but what will you do at the end of it? Where is that going to take you? Because it may take you farther than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay. And and so I just want to pose kind of a fill-in-the-blank thing to to question answer to get you to put something in the blank and, and, and see what the Spirit of God would do with it. We all want to be blessable and usable. We want it, but are we willing to move into that position of under God's authority? And, and that's really the crux of it. That's the battle line that we face. And, and so I just want to say to all of us you know, that live in this religious part of the world, the Bible Belt, believing in God, being in church, and praying are not the same as being under his authority. That's why the statistics for so-called born-again Christians about whether it's divorce or greed or porn or whatever are the same as non-Christians. And I think there should be, and I'm certainly feeling it, I think our church is feeling it, and we'll speak to this later on in 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 the message, I think there's a hunger for a fresh move of God. I think there's a desire in our people to be blessable, to be usable, or to be more blessable, or to be more usable. I think there's people I'm preaching to this weekend, and you're stuck, or you're wondering what's next, or what's now, or what's new, and I think the answer based on God's authority, not mine, God's words, not mine, is we need to check our position and ask ourselves, Am I may want to be blessable, I may want to be usable, but if i'm not willing to move under god's authority then god and i are at an impasse and what i want i really don't want it because i'm not willing to move into position to get it now let's say this let's say we would all say okay matt how do i move in position that's why we're going to jump to Isaiah, and he's going to continue kind of pulling the curtain back on this concept. And it's kind of a similar situation, the people of God facing judgment, facing invading armies, and into this, Isaiah is prophesying, and Isaiah is speaking. And so we'll pick it up in Isaiah eight eleven. And we're gonna move under God's authority or see how to move under God's authority. For this is what the Lord said to me with great power to keep me from going the way of this people. See, the people around you can take authority over you, and you may call that fear of man. Or you may call that I'm a people pleaser. Or you may just say, man, I like a bunch of likes on Facebook, okay? I mean, however it comes across in your lingo and your language, right? There is a tendency for us who want to follow the crowd, go with the crowd. And, And what's popular? And what's the trend? And where's everybody moving? So he says to Isaiah, I don't want you to follow that authority, the authority of the crowd. I've learned as a pastor, when people come and say, Hey, Matt, some people don't like this. I've learned this. Don't take offense. Just because people don't like something, doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Right? And so... He says, hey, Isaiah, I don't want you to follow the way of the crowd. He says, don't call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not be terrified. And what he's saying is this. The people of Israel had joined in an alliance. With some pagan nations, and they hadn't consulted God, they hadn't talked to God, and so Isaiah is telling them, "Do not—that's an unholy alliance. You're depending upon pagan nations and not sovereign God. You're de- you've formed an alliance that's cut God out of the equation." So the people are then going back and saying to Isaiah, "You're an enemy of Israel," and and they don't want to listen to Isaiah, and they and they don't believe what he said, and so God's saying, "Hey, look, what they're saying is a conspiracy." that you are involved in is not so don't be afraid of what they are afraid of don't be terrified of what they're afraid of and and it shows us this that what we fear most oftentimes reveals the authority we're under have you ever done something because man i'm afraid of what people are going to think or have you ever not done something i'm afraid of what people are going to think Have you ever let the fear of, you know, the weather stop you from doing something? And we could go on and on, right? The fear of sharks or whatever. I mean, it's crazy, but fear is correlated to authority. There is a direct correlation. And and the implication of this correlation is this. The people of God should not be afraid of what most people are afraid of. And what's the alternative? Well, he gives it to us in verse 13. He says, you are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy, as significant, as set apart. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. And it's almost like through the prophet of Isaiah, the word is this. Just treat God as God, as the only God that he's all-sufficient, that his authority is competent. See, see, I think sometimes when we give in to lesser fears than the fear of the Lord, we make God look weak, and he's not. And so sometimes as the people of God, we just got to say, I'm going to let God be God, and I'm going to fear not being under his authority so treat god as god and again this is where we get such shallow christians when we believe in god but we don't trust god we don't fear god we don't hallow god we don't treat god as god and then we become functional atheists Nobody's going to stand up in a church service. I mean, some of you may be an atheist. We're glad you're here, right? But most Christians, most people who believe in God, I'm not an atheist. But then we'll be afraid of things as if we were an atheist. Or we'll live and and make decisions without factoring in. There is an all-sufficient, all-powerful, all-competent God, and only He should we fear, only He, He should we stand in awe of. And so he gives us another insight into how this works and how this plays itself out in our life. He says this God will be a sanctuary. That's a place of refuge. It's a place of holiness. The sanctuary in the Old Testament mindset or the Jewish mindset was a place of beauty. It was a place of worship. It was a place of security. It was a place of blessing. It was a place that alluded to the fact that, hey, I I am meant to be in the presence of God. I am meant to be in relationship with God. I am meant to be under the authority of God. He says, but for the houses of Israel, God won't be a sanctuary. He'll be a stone to stumble over, a rock to trip over, and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over these. They'll fall and be broken. They'll be snared and captured. And so here's the question. How can God be a beautiful, holy, awesome, incredible sanctuary? sanctuary to one group of people and to another group of people God is a stumbling block God is a trap God is a snare and it comes down to this how we treat God is how we will experience God if we treat God as this holy awesome God he is our sanctuary if we fall out from under the authority of God we will stumble and God will be a trap and a snare for us That's the power of it. That's why that significant question is, whose authority am I under right now? Because in the sanctuary is, and this is the beautiful thing, because we think, man, if I give God control, if I come under God's authority, I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be as blessed as I currently am. Or I'm not sure God is that good. But what we get from the word of God is that being in the sanctuary, letting God be God, maximum freedom, blessability, usability, are found under God's authority. And, and, and what we do as people is we think, man, I will be more blessed and I'll be better off out from under God's authority, or at least with my money I will be, or at least with my sexuality will be, or at least with this decision I will be, than I am if I were under God's authority. We're like a fish that can see land and we're like, man, I think it's better out there than in here. And so we flop out on land and it's good for like two seconds, right? And then we're like, I'm not designed to be there. You and I are designed to be in the proverbial sanctuary of God under God's authority. All right, how do we get there? How do we get to the sanctuary? How? What does that look like? The prophet tells us. He says, bind up the testimony. Seal up the instruction. And I love the word we get. Among my disciples, not my believers, my disciples, my students, people who want to learn from me. People who want to assimilate and integrate the instruction, the testimony of God into their lives. And so that tells us how to come under God's authority. Living under God's authority cannot be separated from treasuring his word. That's the wow. Like Just like you're, if you've got a boss or you're a parent, how do you exercise your authority? You speak. Your boss tells you. Your boss sends a memo. Your boss types an email. As a mom or as a dad, you tell your kids, here's the rules, here's the authority. And it's exercised through words. It's exercised from this. And so God has given us a word. And through Isaiah, he's saying, everything I'm telling you, you make sure gets written down. You bind it up. You preserve it because that's where my authority is found. That's where my authority is honored from people, disciples who study my word, treasure my word, and apply it into their lives. Well, it goes on, and and you start to understand how ridiculous the people were and how crazy the situation was. And and, and so here's what's going on in, in ancient Israel. When they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the spiritists who chirp and murder, shouldn't a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? So basically, they were r- discerning what to do by trying to talk to the dead. Now, now today, most of us, you know, we have a little bit of chronological snobbery, right? We're like, oh, that's ridiculous. No one should ever do that. Yet, we'll read horoscopes Yet we'll listen more to Fox News than God's word, right? We'll take what someone posted on Facebook or on YouTube with one Bible quotation. Oh, my goodness, right? So we do ridiculous things, too, with this choice we have of what authority we fall under. And, and, and so into this ridiculousness, God is incredibly clear, he says... Go to God's instruction and testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, there will be no dawn for them. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I I, I, I struggled today, this weekend, to finalize kind of this message. And it was this phrase, no dawn for them, struck me. Because I think... I bumped into a guy outside the laundromat. I think, and we had this conversation, and I, and I think there's a hunger for a dawn, a new dawn, a freshness, a revitalization, a renewal, a rejuvenation, whatever you want to say. And and what this tells me is, look, there is no dawn. There is no the best is yet to come without being under the authority of God. And that all starts with the word of God. Go to God's instruction and God's testimony. And and, and that's such a clear, simple exercise. And, And the funny thing is, you know, I think we spend so much time in the church and like, how do I study God's word? How do I get to, oh, God. And we did a whole sermon on that back in the spring. And we introduced this method called HEAR, H-E-A-R. And you can find that on our website. But I, I just want to say this to our church family. Before we ask, how do I read the Bible? We really need to ask, will I obey the Bible? Because you can read the Bible, check, and still have no desire to obey the Bible. And if we don't, there's no dawn. There's no dawn that's coming. Speaking just to our church family, we are turning 20 years old, and we have been thinking about this for a while. I've alluded to it. Maybe I've been too reflective, too nostalgic, but we have sort of landed that, hey, rather than spending too much time celebrating the past, which we need to do because we praise God for what he's done, right? But we think our 20th anniversary ought to be moving toward a dawn ought to be moving toward a freshness, a boldness, a fresh faith that we think we ought to be saying, hey, the best is yet to come for this church. That best is yet to come for Matt, for you, for you, for you, for everyone watching online. The best is yet to come. That's what mourning is, right? That's what the dawn symbolizes in the prophet's language. And there's no new dawn. There's no mourning if we're not under God's authority. And so as we move forward in this 20-year, I call us back to 2002. I call us back to the spirit of the 2025 people who were in the living room saying, let's start a new church in northwest Georgia and see what God will do. And there were two things that we did. We said our only tradition is the Bible, and our first question will always be, what does God's word say, period. And I don't think we can do better than that. And, and I promise this, that we have tried faithfully to live here for 20 years. And as we look at the next 10 or the next morning or the next dawn, we still cannot graduate from this. And so I want to share with you our church family and those of you looking at Rockbridge. I, here, here's what the next couple of months are going to look like for our church as we want to move toward a new dawn, as we want to move toward the best is yet to come, as we don't want to look back with nostalgia and then just say, let's maintain. We don't want to be in maintenance mode. We don't want to be in complacent mode. We don't want to become lukewarm or apathetic. We don't want to applaud the past as much as we want to anticipate the future. So here we go. We will start the first weekend in August and do something uh, incredibly that I'm excited about. We're going to preach through, teach through the entire book of 1 Corinthians. It will be the longest message series in the history of our church. We will collectively, me included, submit to what God wants to say. Verse 9 ended this week. We'll pick it up in verse 10 next week. And that's going to be a challenge for me, because there's a lot of, you know, I, I, some, I can I can preach here, I can preach there, and I'm going to submit myself afresh to God's word, and I'm going to invite you to pray with me, and I'm going to we're going to provide resources from our discipleship team to help us maximize what God has to say to First Corinthians. Probably no more relevant book of the Bible to the 21st, situ- 21st century situation we find ourselves in than First Corinthians. I'm fired up about it. We're going to call ourselves afresh as the people of God to a season of prayer and fasting. We're going to have six services on six consecutive Wednesday nights. We normally have one a month. We call it First Wednesday. This will be Wednesdays at 6.33. 6.33 because of Matthew 6.33, which tells us to seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well and we are kingdom seekers it's our very first core value this will be a time where we ask everyone to pray and to fast and to come together I'm encouraging you now families small groups church members checking us out wherever you're at to would you go ahead and be intentional about setting a goal and say hey I'm going to make four of these I'm going to make five of these you may have never come to a first Wednesday service so try to hit two of these services we'll have a theme every week of how we're praying how we're fasting and how we're seeking god for and i want to say this because i know as soon as i put up six dates there's a lot of woo. we have to be willing what i said earlier to adjust our lifestyle to experience full life in christ so when you're thinking about fasting don't get intimidated do something for 24 hours or 12 hours that noticeably affects your lifestyle skipping a meal affects your lifestyle For some of you, not going to social media affects your lifestyle. For some of us, not having 15 cups of coffee or Red Bull, whatever, affects your lifestyle. So you and God work that out. But let's all come together and seek God in a fresh way. August 3rd, our theme, our focus, we will seek the Holy Spirit. August 10th, we will seek breakthrough for needs, for addictions, for deliverances, for people experiencing spiritual warfare. And we'll provide more information as we move forward. And then the anniversary weekend of our church is the weekend after Labor Day. So that will be September 8th for our Rockbridge PM Thursday night service. It will be September the 11th for uh, our, our Sunday services, and we'll launch into Serve the City, where we go out into our six communities and have various minute, minute mission projects through our hope partnerships, and our third mark of a disciple is one who lives sent, and we'll go get to do that. But I just want to say for this weekend, this will be a weekend we are going to pray and we're going to ask ourselves, who is at least one person I can invite and bring to church with me? Who is one person far from God that I want to help come closer to God? And so I'm just going to ask you now, go ahead and be thinking and say, God, who's my one? Some of you already know. Some of you are praying. But this is how this church went from 20, 25 people. As you know what the 20, 25 people were doing before this weekend in 2002, we were writing names down. If a plumber came to our house, we we're like, hey, do you have a church home? Yeah, I do. Praise God. Thank you. No, I don't. Hey, you ought to come to Rockbridge on September 8, 2002. I'd love for you to be my guest, right? And then something I think is incredibly important is we have totally revamped or are totally revamping our membership and our partnership situation. Member our, become a member of our family and partner with us on the mission God has given us. And we're calling that all in calling that all in it's countercultural right it's counterculture cuz we don't want to commit to anything but god's word is clear right we want to commit to god's family we want to commit to god's mission if you're currently a member of this church we're going to encourage all members myself included nobody's been a member of this church longer than Beth and I right to, i'm going to go back through this and renew my personal commitment to my church to be a member of this family and partner together with you on God's mission. If you're not yet a member of this church, but that's your next step, we're going to make this abundantly clear how to do this. It'll start in, in mid to late September, but we're going to invite ourselves to go all in and be a part of God's family. And the beautiful thing about this, remember what, he, remember what he said, God bind the instruction and the testimonies for all my disciples. See, membership in the church is part of discipleship to Jesus Christ. We can't divorce the two. They're connected and they're related. So membership is not I'm a member of Netflix, I'm a member of the country club. Membership is I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm all in with a local family of God. They're my spiritual family, but they're also my partners to live sent and show the world the message of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a lot of logistics. It's a lot of details. There will be a blog, an email blast from me that you can find on our website or sign up for, or you'll get it if you've gotten those before. That'll come out uh, the first of this week, and it'll, it'll remind you of this, and we're going to be talking about it. But rather than get lost in all of that, let's focus on this. Because really, there's, there's, we're, we're just saying, hey, we want to build our life. We want to base our future on God and what God has done. And there's two critical questions that both get answered at the cross where Jesus died for me and Jesus died instead of me. The first question is this, can I trust God? To put myself under God's authority, I have to trust God. So is God trustworthy? God's trustworthiness, God's goodness are displayed on the cross. Because he did this for you and for me. He did this instead of you and instead of me. But the second question is probably the most important question. If I can trust God, and the message of Jeremiah, and the message of Isaiah, and the message of the cross is you can. The second question is the most important question is will I trust God enough to come under his authority? Or to come more under his authority. And for that, the cross is actually a place of self-denial. It's actually a place where part of Matt Evans has to die daily. It's a place that to get into the sanctuary where maximum blessing is found, I have to be willing to die to my desire to be my own authority. So we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And I just want to ask you to allow this to be a time of of reflection and also a time of affirmation of the trustworthiness of God. But also it may need to be a time where part of you is willing to die the part of you that wants to be in control, the part of you that wants to have the steering wheel of your life or at least the steering wheel in this area of your life and that maybe there would be freshness of all of us coming back under the authority of God, hungering for a new dawn and there's no new dawn if we don't cherish the living word of Jesus and the written word of the word that he's preserved for us. And then as we move forward, we're saying, as a people of God, God, we want to build our life on who you are, on what you've done, and the word that you've given to us. And so we remind ourselves as we ask, can I trust God? We remind ourselves as we ask, will I trust God, that on the night Jesus was betrayed, After he had given thanks, he took bread and he broke it and he said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. In the same manner, after supper, he also took the cup and he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. It says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're going to take the Lord's supper. But let's also take position under the authority of God. Let's pray together. God, we're praying for revival, for renewal, for reawakening, for awakening. God, we're praying for the dawn. I believe we're hungry for it, God. I know we need it. I know I need it. So God, as we obey you by observing your Lord's Supper this, this weekend, there's some of us who need to tell you some things where well, we need to repent and, and just say, God, I'm not under your authority, but I need to come back there. And there's no better place to do that than at the cross. There's no better time to do that than before you take the, the symbolic body and blood of Jesus. God, maybe there's some of us and we realize, God, I have never come under your authority. I've never surrendered. I've never given you my sins. And and, and so, God, today is my yes. Today is my day of surrender. Today is my new dawn. Today is the day that I am placing myself under the awesome, incredible authority of God. And with joy, I surrender all. And with joy, I give him the steering wheel of my life. And with joy, I receive his forgiveness. But, God, here's what I know. There's not a single person that's not, that, that is not under some authority. There may be some of us who need to fire those authorities right now before we observe your supper. But God, you're inviting us to come under your authority. And then you redeem us to be representatives of your authority to a world in need of you. We just want to say yes to all that it means being the people of God under the authority of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in whose name we pray. Amen. As we partake of the body and the blood of Christ.